the Easter season. We pray for the unspoken prayer request this, this day as we come before you looking at a, at a week of, of the unknown, but we, we know a God that is abundantly able to turn any form of confusion and that his love truly lifts us beyond any obstruction and confusion and difficulty that we may face this coming week. We pray all this in your name as you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Mike, would you please come at this time? And um, we do um, appreciate Mike and all his um, willingness to share. Everything else in the universe, 
including our physical and moral values, will be shaken. I consider it kind of God's remodeling. All that's left is that being acceptable to God. With our faith, we will permanently be refined to holiness and godly perfection after the shame. Then you remember verse 29 is that's the same fire that burns wood and ash and paper and hay, purifies gold and silver. Permanently. We will receive the perfect world that God intends for us after we achieve the same perfection of Almighty God. We won't be gods, won't be anywhere near God, but we'll be perfect so we can be in His presence. Outside of Christ, God is nothing but His destructive, eternal fire. I like to think of Jesus and God as purifying fire, almost gold. And when you think about purifying fire, the fumes that gets off are often poisonous or harmful. Same kind of fire will come down. Everything that is not of God or unholy will burn up or disappear. Holy Spirit, fire, and faith of Christ is the only purifying element necessary for us to be purified, and that will allow us to be in the company of and commune with Father God. Thank you. Thank you, Mike, for giving us kind of a context for Scripture, and Scripture comes alive with that context. And as we um, remind you by way of television here at all this United Methodist Church, I mean, it's Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 and following it. And here at all of it, United Methodist Church in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, you'll find that on page 227 and 27, that God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Speaking to you and I today, the word of God's says, see, see that you not, do not refuse the one who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns from heaven? And at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he is promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken and is created, that created thing, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks, by which we offer to God an acceptable Acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed, our God, and say it with me, is a consuming fire. You know, there are many, many things in this world that remain stead, um, steadfast. And actually, there are very few things in actuality in this world that, that do remain steadfast. When you think of it, Many people build, they build, and but the destructive forces of time and, and others tear them down. And we realize how fragile life is and how fragile things in life are. And it seems that as we get older, we notice more change and the rapid change that we encounter. 
I'm reminded that people built the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was built to kind of maintain some sense of tranquility. And we're told that in the 11th chapter of Genesis, that in their rebellion against God, God, you know, this tower, that this mighty tower that they built, which they believed, they actually believed they could reach, reach heaven. And they said unto themselves, let's build here and let us dwell here and let us make a name, a real name for ourselves, they said. But God, God was displeased with what they had done and God brought the, the building tumbling to the ground and God scattered them abroad and, and God even confused their language. Thus we see that one of the first buildings of humankind and did not stand. I worry about a lot about the United Methodist Church because I've been blessed. They've taken good care of myself, my wife, my family. It's been a good, good church. And when I hear about the United Methodists um, facing so much division and so much fallout, I'm reminded of how people, people like you and people like myself built Solomon's Temple. It was one of the most glorious buildings ever erected, Solomon's Temple. Ships and caravans went to every part of the known world, bringing back gold and silver and precious stones to be used in its erection. And when the temple was finished, the greatest, the greatest of ceremonies was, was witnessed and took place. But time, and people came in and this very beautiful temple was, was destroyed and no little visage of it remains today. The Roman Empire was built by humans, such as you and I. Their legions went out and they, they conquered the, the known world. They set up their domain everywhere. And they said, we are the master race. And they said that even before Hitler wanted to produce a master race, they said. Now, they said, we shall rule the world. But their people, people like you and I, they sank down deep into sin and God wrestled them and the empire from their hands. And it was built by humans and it could not stand. I recall not too many years ago, a great city bank had, had served its customers well for 100 years. And now, Kurt Boone, I don't want you to take this personal because I know you're Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is not going to give out. But this great city bank served its customers well for over 100 years. And, and people really trusted in this bank. And during the Depression years, other banks were bailing, but this one bank continued to serve its people. It was very safe and it was very sound and, and there, it seemed like there was no danger in it failing. But one morning the newspapers carried the startling news that this financial bulwark also had closed its doors. 
The things that humans build are, are bound to fail. Cities and government institutions and organizations may look strong for a while, but time will prove that nothing that's built by human individuals such as you and I last forever. In the past few years, we have seen worldwide, just the past few years, almost in the past few months and, and weeks, we've seen uh, worldwide, worldwide disturbances. The face of the world's map has had a remarkable change. Countries have fallen and others have risen. Many rulers have been disposed and others have been replaced. Great business houses have crashed and mighty institutions have tottered and fallen. And we are so prone, so prone to ask, what will survive? What will truly survive in times like these? Well, the writer of Hebrews tells us that there are some things, some things that cannot be shaken. Some things that shall remain forever. Now, why is this true? It's simply because they are eternal things. They are of God. They are of God. Simply because they are eternal things. They are of God. Now, Jesus told the story of a of a person who built his house on a rock and another person who built their house upon the sand. And you know what happened in both cases. One house fell and the other stood. The things of humans will fall. The things of God will stand forever. And let us this morning, whether you're listening by way of television or by way of radio, let us think of some things that are unshakable unshakable things. Say it with me this morning. God will not be shaken. God will not be shaken. God is the one great uh, omnipotent, unchangeable being. You project your mind as far back in the past as possible and you'll find God there. God is the great first cause. The first cause of all things. All things came to God and without God nothing into being. Then project your mind as far as possible into the future beyond the stars, the sun, the moon, the worlds, the judgments, and what you will find is God. God the Almighty. That in all of eternity past, in all of things present, in all of eternity future, God remains the same. We don't know how long it has been since God spoke the world into existence. You know, some say it's millions of years, some say it's billions, but God was the same then as he is now and shall forever be, according to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. The same yesterday and today and forever. I was reading some history here a few days ago and when Lincoln was assassinated in Washington and the news was relayed to New York, and soon the, the city was in utter confusion. Utter confusion. And suddenly a, a person appeared on a balcony above the crowd and he hoisted up the American flag. Oh, Lord. And as he hoisted the American flag, then the voice of General Garfield rang out. And it said, fellow citizens, 
Fellow citizens, he cried out, there are clouds. There are tremendous clouds of darkness all about us. But God, God still reigns. God still reigns. Humans will fall by the wayside, rulers go down to death, but God cannot be shaken. One of the great, one of the great emperors rode in a brilliant parade to the streets of Rome. People were saying, he's like a god. He's like a god. And a child, a small child, ran, ran out towards the emperor and, and someone cried out, go back, go back. He is the emperor. And the, the little boy answered, your emperor, but my father. Now thank God that the great being who fills heaven and earth is not only an unchanging God, but God is our father. He is our Abba father, our dear daddy, our dear daddy. He's our father because we've placed our faith in his son, the Lord Jesus, and we can say, dear daddy, can you say it with me? Dear Daddy, that's what Abba Father means. Abba Father, dear Daddy. Jesus, God is our Father since we placed our faith in His Son, Jesus. Jesus, and we can come to Jesus like a little child, like a little child comes to their Father's knee. God cannot be shaken. One of the greatest thrills of my life when, when I thought about my children, and then especially my grandchildren, they come and just automatically, without me picking them up, they just automatically come and sit on my lap. And I think about how you and I can sit on the lap of Jesus. God, firstly, God will not be shaken. Secondly, God's word, God's word will never be shaken. According to Psalms 119, verse 89, forever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I don't think I need to explain that. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled, settled in heaven. And then according to um, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withereth. It's kind of hard to think about grass right now. The Bible says the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God, of our God, shall stand forever. Isaiah 48. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, it says, Heaven and earth, imagine that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word, my word shall not pass away. In the centuries gone by, many, many have tried to destroy the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. They're still trying to launch their attacks against the Bible. But it stands. And it stands and it will stand forever. Even though the liberals will get up in the pulpit from Sunday to Sunday. And it almost seems like the Bible is anathema from, for them. It's been burned at the stake. It's been chained to pulpits. I have one real big old Bible that had a chain on it. And 
day and age. The Bible was chained to the pulpit so that the common people could, could not read it. Bitter things have been said about the Bible, and, and more bitter things have been written about it. But it stands. It's firm. It's true. We are told that millions of gallons of water burst against the sides of the rock of Gibraltar every minute, but it's been unmoved, unaffected by centuries. And millions of millions of unbelievers have hurled their strength against the Bible, but the Bible still stands and, and they perish. Years ago, a missionary in Italy gave a Bible to a, to, to a man who was building a wall. And the man took the Bible and with a laugh, with a laugh, he sealed it up in the wall. Years later, an earthquake brought down the wall and another workman found the Bible, began reading the Bible, and, and he himself became a new creature in Christ, became a Christian and led others to Christ in a revival. You can, you can, you, you can't shake a book which has that power in a person's life. On the wedding day of a Christian lawyer, the Christian lawyer and his bride resolved to read the Bible through every year. And this lawyer became the Lord Chancellor of England, but he and his wife always had time to keep their vow to read God's Word daily. And after his death, the following line was found in his diary. He said, this day, this day, my wife and I finished reading the Bible for the 40th time. The 40th time. And we found it sweeter. And we found it more precious than ever. I stood one day beside a blacksmith's door, and I heard the, the anvil ring, the vesper chime. Then looking in, I saw upon the floor old hammers, a number of old hammers, worn with the, the beating of the years of time. And I asked, how many, how many anvils have you had to wear and batter all those hammers go? And though the noise of the falling blows has heard, the anvil of God's word is unharmed, but the many hammers have come and gone. God's world, will and word will, will never be shaken. And thirdly, this morning, God's Son will never be shaken, God's Son. The character of Jesus Christ will never be shaken. People try to strip Jesus of his divinity. They, they, they seek to humanize Jesus and, and they simply want to make him a man. We have certain cults today that think Jesus is the best thing that could possibly have happened, but they don't believe in his resurrection, they don't believe in many of his miraculous stories, they've taken many of the miracles out of the Bible. Modern, modern has tried to reduce Jesus 
some level of humanity, and, but all their efforts fail. They, they can tear at his character, but they can't tear him down. Often when a person, and we hear a lot about this now because it's an election year, often when a person runs for a public office, their enemies will say, let's examine. Let's examine the record of their life. Let's examine her record or his record. And maybe we can find a, something that will, will help defeat her or help defeat him from office. And sometimes they, they do find enough to ruin their chances of an election, but not so with Jesus. He's been under attack for over 2,000 years, and never have they been able to find anything wrong in the character of Jesus Christ. They must always say with Pilate, I find no fault in this just person, Jesus. And that's been the verdict, the verdict of all the ages. You call Jesus Christ before you today, you examine Jesus' life, you look carefully at everything that Jesus did or said, you'll find nothing wrong with Jesus. Jesus was the one spotless, stainless, sinless, perfect life. Sidney Lanier, the great Georgia poet, called Jesus the crystal, the crystal Christ. Just a few of the things that people have said about Jesus, and you can elaborate on this too. What have people said about Jesus? Let us listen to some of them. Judas said, Judas said of Jesus, I have betrayed innocent blood. The centurion said, truly this was the Son of God. The demons cried out, Thou Son of the Most High God. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John the Beloved said, He's the bright and morning star. Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thomas said, My Lord and my God. The Apostle Paul said, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And more recently, we are reminded of the angel that said unto you, is born this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And God said, and God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Yes, the character of Jesus Christ never will be shaken. His power. And I trust that you're here today to, to lock into his power. His power shall never be shaken. Several years ago, a friend of mine was in, in Japan and he was on a preaching mission and he went down to the Kamakuro to see the great statue of Buddha, which was situated in a beautiful park. And the statue is 40 feet high, and just his face, his face is eight feet high, and his hands were folded in ease, and, but the hands of Jesus, I remind you, were always open to bless and to save, save, and you can look at the hands of Jesus, and 
their nail scarred because his blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sin and my sin. But in 1495, Buddha was knocked over by a, a tidal wave, and, and the people began to call him the God, the God who couldn't get up. But the Buddhists restored the statue to its present position, but still that God has no power. He has just been sitting there for hundreds of years doing nothing for anyone. But how different is Christ, the Savior, and the Son of God? Jesus never falls over time and time again, tied and tied again. Never affect Jesus. Jesus has the power to save and to keep, to help, to make us, to take us home to heaven. That power can never be shaken. Father, this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, to those by way of television this morning and by radio, the love of Jesus can never be shaken. God, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, John 3.16. And John 15.13 says, Greater love hath no one that, than this, that a person lay down their life for their friends. In 1 John chapter 4.10 says, Here in his love, Here in his love, When we didn't even love God, loved us. That we love God, but that He loved us and had sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Does one say that God quits loving us when we sin? That is not true. His love for us can never be shaken. Having loved His own which were in the world, He loved them unto the end. John 13, 1. Thank God this morning there's no end to God's love for us, His redeemed children. Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, those by way of television and radio and here at all of it United Methodist Church, help us to rededicate our lives to Christ and our service. Help us not to worry about that consuming fire, but help us to worry about the consuming love of God. By praying this prayer this morning, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, please forgive me, please forgive me. for things I've committed, committed and things I've omitted in life, the good and the bad. Come into my heart and life. Empower me with your Holy Spirit. Your body was broken. Your blood was shed. In Jesus' name. This time, if the ushers would prepare to come this morning as we take up our offering, and would you be so kind to turn in your bulletins to our offertory prayer? Would you agree with me this morning? God of all creation, the offering we bring to your altar this day is the fruit of our labors, and we want to bring you the best that we have. No harvest comes from us alone, but starts in your goodness. And many have contributed to every good gift we bring. Working together in your fields, generous God, we pray that our gifts might be used to bless others who hunger for connection with you. We pray in the name of Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Amen.
the ushers come forward this morning, let's turn to our offertory again. Lord, I want to be a Christian. Purple number 402, please. 402.
bring our gifts this morning as we prepare our lives for that great sacrificial time of Easter. We come reflecting on our past coming to, to the Lord as our personal Lord and Savior. We know that there are gifts to come, although we don't know when Jesus will return, but we realize there's many signs of his second coming, and so we live in that hope. And as we dedicate these tithes and offerings to you, we long for Jesus to be born anew in that preparatory heart that looks for his coming and says, come on, Jesus, in this upcoming holy season. In the name of the one who came to save us, we pray. Amen. Do you have any announcement that you'd like to make? Um, Chris, it, there's coffee all right. Take us out, Margaret. Like. 